Welcome to the Late Night Show. Which, ironically, is actually filmed early in the morning. Yes. We won't, we won't talk about that right they, now. They all are. Are they really? Yeah, I've been okay. on all of them. They're all at 2.30 oh, in the so afternoon. So I don't even feel weird anymore. Nope. Okay. This is normal. Well, this is Gary Vee. Um, this is a big moment for us. We've been waiting for you. Thank uh, you. We've got our, our Ideologue show happening today. Yep. And Gary's going to be the keynote speaker. Can't but wait. We thought we would squeeze in a little late night taping of you to get some of the down and dirty, you know, who is Gary Vee. Thrilled um, to do it. I did bring, because I know you're a big Jets fan. I am. And I brought Ryan Fitzpatrick's really bad clone double. Yes, I see uh, him. He's here. Um, his name's Mike, and he's our sidekick. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mike. Yeah. He's a huge fan. Oh, good to see you, sir. Oh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thank you. you know, Ryan's benched this week, so I guess he has some downtime, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, so. a lot of downtime. Hurts, hurts. I guess my first question before yeah. we get into the nitty gritty sure. is, uh, why the Jets? You know, I was born in the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, we came here when I was the three. Jets no, the Jets are not known out there. Oh. Um, but I, I came in the late seventies um, when we, you know, when I first kind of, you know, this is late seventies, early eighties. Kids went outside and played. It was a different generation. When I first went out, I didn't. I wasn't Americanized. I didn't have that common bond with the kids outside and. Uh, one early, you know, one day in first grade, there was a group of kids playing football. They asked me what my favorite football team was. I said, I w- I'm not even sure if I remember if I spoke English all that much. And they said, well, you're a Jets fan like us. And I was like, okay. And basically that Sunday, I watched my first Jets game and I have not missed a play, a play of a New York Jets game since 1982. Unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. Wow. I lived in New York for most of my life. Yes. And now I'm down in Florida. Yes. So I'm having a difficult time because I was a Giants fan. Yes. Here in the city. Um, and then went down to Miami and I'm not doing so well either. With the Dolphins. Yeah. So we've yeah. got a lot of work to do on yep. both of our teams. I understand. Um, it's bad times in football. <laughs> Seriously. Um, you don't play fantasy football, do you? You know what's funny? I've never played, this is my first season, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Collinsworth, who uh, has this kind of celebrity serious league and so. I did it for branding, to be honest. Uh, I'm five and one, because, Whoa, because like good. most things, very I'm, I'm very talented, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, uh, but I don't like to play it because I think, you, know, you have to understand, my life is very simple. The health and happiness of my family, the New York Jets, my business. In that order. In that order. And so, I'm a simple man, and the Jets are truly, and this is not a joke, the Jets are my true escapism. I take it very seriously, yeah. but I have it contextualized of what it means in the scheme of things. It's the one thing in the world that I care enough about that if something bad is happening in business, it is not in my mind in those four hours. And that's healthy and I think we all need that, whether that's reading, meditation, tra- mm-hmm. traveling. I know mine's weird, but it doesn't make it any less real and I need that escapism and it's tough when a season like this happens when the games become kind of not as important, I'm not as invested, Um, but I I go and I watch and I support, but yeah, it's it's a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, Gary. Yes. What is the most valuable asset today in the world? Attention. Attention, if we're talking in the context of who I know is watching. Mm-hmm. Before you can tell me how great you are at your craft or how great your product is or why I should come and see you, you need my attention. And so if you're talking in a place where the end consumer is no longer paying attention to, you're in deep shit. Mm-hmm. 
And so when you're spending an ungodly amount of money on direct mail or outdoor media or television or traditional digital like banner ads or pre-rolls, I don't think that's as a valuable move as something like what you're doing right now, which is a content play, or Facebook, or Instagram, or Snapchat. And so I've been pulling the levers of attention since I was a six-year-old trying to sell lemonade and trying to figure out which pole or tree to put my sign on that would sell more cups of lemonade. I used to think about how I would, it's funny, this is perfect. I used to do baseball card shows and I would literally sit there and people used to think I had some sort of either weird disease or was like super kind of like, you know, wired in a weird way because I would sit and think about the layout of my cards for two hours before the mall would open and then would watch how people would look at my table. I've been following attention my whole life. When I was dragged in my dad's liquor store when I was 14 and started working there, you know, there were some of the guys that thought I was weird because I wasn't working, but all I was doing was just literally watching the pattern of how somebody would walk through the store. Later I understood the biggest retailers in the world had cameras following us and understood UI, UX and all this stuff or the shelf at a bar, why are those products there? But that came to me as natural as you can imagine. It is my natural gift to understand where consumers' attention is a little bit faster than the marketplace which is, has been the foundation of my success. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Do you, um, how valuable to you is time? Well, I mean, it's the whole thing, right? I mean, when you, I, I, you, you are I talk a lot I about time. I've ever seen anyone as, I mean, you wake up early in the morning, yeah. you late till, and you do 15 minutes yeah. is kind of your max, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, mean, I just don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I think all of us here in the studio, everybody watching at home, like, time's the game. Like you can do anything you want. You can have all the money, success, connections. Nobody's figured out how to add that 25th hour. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I, I think time is super important. You know, Uber, my investment in Uber was a big one. I passed on Uber in the angel round, which would have been wow. ungodly, wow. you know, really tough to say that publicly mm-hmm. that I left those $300 million <laughs> on the table. Um, not only did I pass on it, I passed on it twice. Not only that, it gets worse. My first business book, Crush It, I thank my entire family and one random human being, the co-founder and CEO of Uber, Travis, who's a dear friend of mine for a long time. I didn't understand it the first time. When I invested in it a little bit later, so I'll do okay, uh, I realized, holy shit, Uber doesn't sell transportation, Uber sells the perception of time. And I believe that any company in today's world that takes time and resells it back to people will build the biggest companies in the world. And so, even the way I think about advertising, if you're trying to, if I'm trying to watch this YouTube video, but you put a banner, a, a pre-roll before it, you stole my time, I came here to watch this, not to see this car driving up a hill. And so, time is the asset. It, by the way, by a small group of here, by show of hands, I know everybody can't see this at home but I'll, I'll do color commentary for you. <laughs> by show of hands, how many people here are now mad when another human being calls them? Raise your hand. It's rude. It's just think ab- rude. Think about that, half this room just raised their hands. Think about asking that question 10 years ago. It just wouldn't even make sense. We now know there's other ways to use technology, like you text me and I'll get back to you on my time. That's why it's rude. And so time has become the thing that we've put on a pedestal because 
for some of us in this room, we're not 18 year olds, we're not 16 year olds. We remember the world when it used to actually shut off at six or seven p.m. professionally and you'd get to it tomorrow. That world does not exist. You get people emailing you at 11 p.m., there's some sort of expectation that you may get back to them. We live in a 24-7, 365 world where we're pounded by information and so now we subconsciously, we've formed into this enormous belief and value around time and it's precious and I do reverse engineer a lot of my strategies around how that, to not that steal was time. one of the questions. So based, Which is? based off this concept of yes. time being such a valuable asset, right, for you. Yes. Um, for everybody. Yes. Um, it helps to prioritize what you invest in, what you spend money in your business on, right? What are the things that are gonna get you the most out of your time? You know what's funny, I think of it almost in reverse of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's all true and you can list all the other things. It makes me overwhelmingly focused on not wasting the other person's time mm-hmm. because then I'm bringing the most value. The keynote I'm about to give, mm-hmm. it's not a canned speech. Mm-hmm. I think you know that. Yeah. I know who's in the audience, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm gonna think about what can I talk about that's gonna bring them the most value. Yesterday morning in Orlando at the ANA, where it's the biggest TV advertisers in the world, I talked about something completely different. Mm-hmm. So that's predicated on actually valuing people's time. I don't want them to sit there for 45 minutes and zone out or not get any value. They're sitting there. Even this interview, I'm like obsessed at the highest level of like, okay, who's watching his show? Got it, that demo. What can I say that's practical to them that they can take away and do something with? And I just do that with my employees, with my customers, with my audience. And I think that's why I'm successful because if you bring more value than you ask for in return, you win in life, let alone business. I've always thought, you know, hairdressers are interesting and, and I think the service industry as a whole is an interesting kind of beast as this whole time and social media and what you said, it's so true, everyone's bombarding you for information and time. They're trying to steal it from you, right? Whether, whether it's banner ads or whatever. But a hairdresser has 45 minutes. Well, you know what's funny? Client, so how do you, what's it's your- funny where you went with that. I think, and you guys know this better than I do, but I know this as a common sense, savvy human individual on earth. I think people really enjoy, some, their time. And you, by the way, you have to reverse everybody one by one. You have to have the EQ scales and the empathy to understand, is this person really valuing time and wants to get out of here and if I can do this in 37 minutes instead of 44 minutes, I'm gonna actually make them happy. And then there's other people who are running a mile a minute and this is a time to kind of let go and enjoy and escape into your guys' world with them and maybe that should be 49 minutes. I think the place that you guys need to focus on as an industry is not necessarily the execution of your craft and your art, but how one gets to that moment. I don't want to waste my time to book. I don't want to waste my time to like chase or the infrastructure to get them there or discover you is where you need to completely save time. Once they're there, now you're getting into an entire experience thing. I think you could go the other way. I think you could have somebody, I think people are, somebody like me, if this is something that they're passionate about, would rather spend an hour and a half in the experience, but save two out of the four minutes on the execution to get there. Yeah, You're so spot on because right now there is a, it's almost like a, a clash. It's what, when you talk about what happened in the wine business, yes. um, that same kind of uh, renaissance or clash is happening. You're having an older, older generation of hairstylists yes. that is 100% focused just on the craft yes. and, the, and the quality of that customer service experience. Yes. But then you have this new young generation that's yes. kind of, you know, mostly millennial driven okay. that have kind of popped up and they're using social media to get their clients. Yes. They're using social media to, to get people in the chair. Yes. Where in the old school days you had to go and actually hand business cards out on the street or wait for your customers that you cut to tell 
other people to come to you for a haircut. But now you're getting people that three years in the business, they're you know booked 20 a day, six months out, and they're charging $800 a haircut. It's actually happening. So what of that's done it's is it's upended um, the entire industry. So you know the things you're talking about are all kind of playing out. Technology is a son of a bitch. Yeah. Technology doesn't care that you've been unbelievable at your craft for 30 right. years. Right. Technology didn't care that my dad's contemporaries that came over from Russia in 1978 moved to LA, made two bucks an hour being a cab driver, worked 20 hours a day, saved every dollar for 13 years, had you know paid their dues, could, didn't see their family, saved all their money, bought a couple of black cars, actually built a business, saved all their money, worked every day for 30 years, finally getting to the moment where eating all that shit might pay off just a little bit, and then Uber came along and put them out of business. Totally. totally. Like technology didn't care that your grandfather came from Europe, right. worked 80 hours a day for his whole life, built a small little bookstore. Right. Your dad came along, your mom came along, made it bigger. Now it was your turn and it's a real great base and you're gonna take it and Amazon came along and put you out of business. Technology yeah. just doesn't care. Yeah. Like, like I don't know what to tell you. Like this is called capitalism. This is the way it works. Like I understand how you want it to be romantically. I understand that you want it to be in your best vested interest. Do you know how mad I am that Twitter is not the number one social network in the world? From 2007 to 2011, I spent 14 hours a day answering people's questions on Twitter. Let me just say this one more time. There's people watching, a couple people know this truth. For you, you just don't believe it because it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> 14 hours a day I spent on Twitter replying to anything anybody said about wine and then for the back half of a year or so business and did it every day and became one of the 50 most followed people on Twitter. It was my breakout to the world. Do you know how amazing it would be for me if Twitter was Facebook right now and was the number one platform in the world? But it's not and nobody's crying for me and nobody's gonna cry for you, and nobody's gonna cry for anybody. That's the point. And so, of course that's happening. Yeah. This always happens. Yeah. Let, I mean, I don't understand what people, you know, including the people that got exposure from, you know, what's the difference of somebody hustling on social media to build their business, and somebody doing a good job 20 years ago, and the New York Times writing a piece about them? Nothing. The only difference is, people now can actually take full control of the customer's intention, and not be at the mercy of a middleman, and mainstream media, so yeah, of course that's happening. I love, um, you, you know, you, you talk a lot about um, the hustle. Yes. I had seen something the other day where you talked about um, keep that luck shit to yourself. <laughs> can, you just, can you just talk to that for a second? Because I think it's really important. I think people yes. often think it's Yes, my high school friends luck. emailed me on Facebook and the opening line is you're so lucky and then I black out and don't read anything <laughs> else and I reply to them and say, Rick, that's awesome but I need to remind you something. Remember in high school and then college when you went to the Jersey Shore and drank a bunch of beers and hooked up with chicks? I fucking worked. Right. So I'd prefer that people keep that luck shit in their pocket. <laughs> you know, because, uh, which means just, you know, and by the way, I was born in the Soviet Union because Khrushchev, two presidents before I was even born, came to America and so saw corn being planted everywhere and he was such an idiot, he went back to Russia and planted corn in all of the Soviet Union, which it couldn't actually work there. And so that started the process of them having a resource issue, 
which led to 1976, them making a deal with Israel and the United States to get rid of Jews, which they had no interest in to begin with, out of Russia in exchange for wheat, that is luck. I was lucky to be born in a serious event that I'm comfortable with. Right. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of, I believe in luck. Yeah. I just think it's a tough thing to start with when yes. you talk to somebody who basically since he was 14 years old has been working 15 hours a day, right. every day, always and forever. And as you know, because I have a good sense that you know this, the reason DRock and I started Daily V, my vlog, which is now 80 episodes in, is I talk about hard work, I just realized after four or five years that people didn't believe me. So now I just document it. Really hard to debate when I've got the hard footage of 7 a.m. to midnight every day, every day, every day, every day. So he's with you all of that time? Yeah, poor guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is there hazard pay? I mean, the poor guy, I can't, you know, by the way, the other thing is I don't believe in that many different things, mm-hmm. right? So I don't even know how he gets through a day <laughs> of hearing this, the same shit. But yeah, I mean, I think, I, think, um, I believe in hard work. I, here's what I can tell you. you everybody watching at home, you do not know a single person on earth that became successful because of themselves without hard work. They just don't exist. They don't exist. Uh, You know some people that inherited grandma's money and they're rich, but nobody made themselves successful without hard work. It just doesn't, it's impossible. I do. Have, I need to do a little history looking because that's. I didn't even. I didn't know the Jews were traded for wheat. Yes, we wow. sure were. Like I was all, traded. All the things that get traded. By the way, with like the amount of taxes that that's I've paid in my trade. life, that was a great trade. Right. <laughs> wheat, wheat. Especially yeah. if you're gluten free. Yeah, like I get it. It, it. it hits home. It was the 70s. Life, you know, uh, um, Gary. Another concept you talk about. And I kind of want to get some of these. I, I just go ahead. Love these. Let's do it. I'll go faster. Great for, no, these are great for hairdressers. Sure. And, and no, no rush. Okay. You talk about, um, everyone always talks about failing. And you yes. talk about you know, being scared of failing to who? And I, and I love that. I think, because I think, that really gets the essence of it. Yeah, that, that's and been And a, hairdressers have a lot of fear that, when they're that's cutting a, and getting into got the it. job. That was a big one that I didn't realize. Would, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. People are scared of failing. I think we all know that. I think everybody understands that. That's why so many people don't try. I'm, I just somehow stumbled on how lucky I was that my mom is the greatest human being on earth and created a self-esteem for me that is (laughs) probably somewhat inappropriate, but shit, I would not give it up for anything because it's made me very comfortable. I think that somehow, someway, between DNA and the way I was parented and my circumstance of immigration, things of that nature, I'm in a funny place where I'm just not scared. I'm just not worried about, you know, I have this weird, I could care less what anybody thinks and I genuinely care what everybody thinks. You know, it's the kind of this really yin and yang and so I just realized that so many of you are scared to fail because your dad's gonna make you feel bad about it. And I'm, I have empathy for that, that sucks. Like, or, or, your, or your husband is gonna say, I told you so. I'm very fascinated by negative energy within our ecosystem that is not cut outable. You can get rid of your acquaintance that's a dick face. Right? But when your mom's the dick face, you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and so I've been trying to have this conversation of who are you scared to fail in front of? And I gotta tell you, in one-on-ones or meetups where the content has come from, that's the beauty of doing a vlog. Yeah. Content happens in these moments that I would have never thought of. It's captured, it resonates, I react to the reaction of the audience and I, and I start trying to force myself to understand it better. Right. Um, oof. 
People, people are scared. Like, you know, you look up to your older sister who's straight lined and got the, like, and her opinion matters to you. But you're an artist and you want to do this. And if you fail, you don't want to fail in front of her. That's tough. That's stopping a lot of us. I don't have the answer to what you have to do about it other than I do believe that communication solves all things. But great, how do I push you to have that real talk with your mom? Hard. So, yeah man, it's, it's a real one, but it's not so easy to unwind. Your blogs and your stuff. Um, that one actually really resonated because I was like, wow, this is deeper than just social media tidbits. All my stuff. It, it actually is really deep. When all you get into all it, my stuff yeah. is very strategic, highbrow, like I'm a Jersey in the dirt kind of character. So by being the messenger Mm -hmm. of this very tried and true, very historically correct, very heady strategic stuff, people are confused because I don't look the part. I look the part of the sizzle, not the steak. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the beauty of running the marathon. Eventually, even in this interview, like, they'll be like, huh, you know, like, like eventually, and I don't care if that takes just one interview or the rest of my life, mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable that what I'm selling is not flash in the pants. You have to understand, I spent 15 years building a business before I was a personality. I didn't, I wasn't a 22 year old life coach on Instagram. <laughs> I put my head down and built a $65 million business you know, in the dirt, in the trenches, working 15 hours a day in a liquor store and then building an early e-commerce business before I thought I had the audacity or even the respect or platform to even think that I was worth listening to for 40 minutes, right? So I think I earned it. Um, And so I understand my personality traits that may make it seem like it's fast, is it real? Um, I'm empathetic to that, but this, this next one kind of rolls into that. Please. Um, you talk about, and I just think it's such good, it's almost, these are like um, good things for young hairdressers to hear. Okay. Um, the concept of, you know, making Monday my bitch. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, I love that. Okay. Because it, it, it you know, so many times, I just know in our business, when we were kind of growing through the ranks and hiring lots of people, um, especially new, you know, people where it's their first job, they start to not like Mondays and it would drive me crazy as it drives you crazy. Can you talk to that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's nothing sadder in life than if you live for the weekends. I just, I, it's just a math game. If you're spending 83% of your time, 72% of your time, 64% of your time on something you hate, that's devastating. I went through it. I hated school at a level that you couldn't imagine. I was a rare version of an immigrant that education wasn't the way out. And I knew who I was. I had self-awareness coming out of my pores in fourth grade. I knew it already. And so, Shit, eight more years, and when you're, and you know, when you're 11, that's like half your, you know, like, you know, like, it was devastating. Like, I would, like, Sunday nights were devastating. A potential snowstorm was the greatest moment of my life, you know? So I lived it. I lived it as a kid, not as serious as being a grown up that hates their job, no question, but at the time it felt serious, right? And so, I don't know. We live in an age now where we have, your grandparents couldn't do the things you can do. Your grandparents didn't, didn't have the internet. Your grandparents couldn't be practical nine to five, then come home, you know, do their family thing, and then from 7 p.m. to two in the morning do something online that could have been the thing that switched them out of their nine to five and created their freedom. They didn't have that option. We do. Everybody in this room does. We live in a 24-7 world. Now. My big thing that leads this into is complaining. The thing that rips my heart out of my soul is complaining. If you are genuinely unhappy, 
If you're genuinely unhappy, do something about it. The amount of people that email me that, and complain and then I go look at their social media and all they tweet about is Game of Thrones and FIFA soccer and like, I'm like, what are you doing with your time? You are not allowed to complain if you're on two softball teams. Right. <laughs> you're just not allowed. So I think that, um, yeah, you know, the, look, the one, the great positive to being underestimated for charisma and showmanship mm-hmm. is that you also have motivational DNA that actually allows somebody who's listening to be like, yes. And that has been the great gift of my life. I struggle with my motivational tendencies. I don't wanna be Tony Robbins or Oprah or a motivational character. I, I'm much more uh, am in tune with building actual businesses. I don't like the secret, you know. Like I don't like that stuff. However, however, it's very difficult to me when I get an, you know when I get 10 to 15 emails a day from people like you changed my life. I watched this video for some reason. I've heard it before, but the way you said it made me do this, and my life is better. Whether it was have that conversation with my mom or start a business, and it's funny. I've, I've been going through a very difficult time, and I mean this. It, it is a high class problem, but for me, I've been really struggling with. I've come to realize that me holding back on my motivation for the last five years has been a selfish act, you know, because I want to be known as a businessman, not as a guru. Uh, but I've helped so many more people in the last six months that I've opened up a little bit more of that. So it's an interesting journey right now for me on that. On that. You know, just on that piece, that switching gears for a second, yeah. and we'll come right back to the nitty gritty. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think to myself of, and this is going to be selfish. Go ahead, go ahead. Creepy. Go ahead. How, do, how would I torture you? Torture me. And I, and I came up with an idea. Well, not allowing me to talk would. No, even better. I was going to take you and I to, yes. a, to an island. Yes. Um, and literally drop us off with no Wi-Fi, yes. no connectivity. Sounds romantic. How, well, yeah, it is a little strange. But <laughs> how, would, how would you, how would you, what would that do? I would, do? Do, I would, would that sh- literally I, shut you down? I think I'm a chameleon. Here's what would happen. Would you totally adapt? Correct. I would be a disaster. In the beginning, maybe. Dead. Right. Like dead. Like the first two, three, four, five days I'd be like eating sand and like like trying to kill you with like a shell. Like um Lord of the Flies. That's right. right. But but by day twelve, fourteen, twenty, I would recontext. Okay. I've been really you know I just stay away from you for the first week or two. That's your No, I'd probably need you more in the beginning. Okay. Right? All right. Wow, this uh, is be an emotional yeah, together. You know, <laughs> uh, because I need that interaction. Right. But over time, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable. You know, ironically, ironically, my two favorite places are the airplane and the bathroom. Because you do get it. Because I'm by myself. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm super, you know, yeah. I love myself. Yeah. I can be with myself. Yeah. And so, I... Uh, do you disconnect I, often? No. No. But I if, didn't think you did. But, if, was, I, but if I need to, it's very easy for me to, to do, do that. It. Yeah. Um, you have to understand, and this is just like, yeah. we're getting pretty heady here. If your only thing in life is the health of your family, you're pretty happy a lot. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can get really sad. You know, like if I get a text right now that my sister's in a car accident and things are really bad, right. I'm shut out in right. a way that you could, like I don't know if I ever come back. I, I don't right. come back until that's resolved. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. It's really easy for me to shut off or shut on or not, like, when you were as binary as the health and well-being of my family, comma, nothing else, then all the way over here, the Jets and then business, like, it, <laughs> I love that this is after the Jets, by the way. You know, it's, it's really easy to be happy and I, and I do challenge everybody to start really 
building perspective. You know, we really struggle with it. We've lived during the greatest, we lived during the greatest era of the greatest empire of human race. If, if an American, if a white American male who does not realize that they have won the ultimate lottery of the universe Being alive. in America during its greatest era as an empire, then I've got nothing for them. Like, like genuinely, yeah. Generally, if I became the dictator of America, I would make it a life sentence in jail for a white American male to complain at all. Yeah. That would be, be interesting. I think um, Putin's probably on his way to become <laughs> the dictator right. of America somehow. He's like hacking his way into it. Um, can, talk about ROI. Um, you talk Return about, on investment. Yeah, but you talk about that a lot, and I love the way that you kind of introduce it. You mean the, the ROI of your mother? Statement, or do you mean like I've got? I go with it. Oh, look, I mean ROI is like what's the return on your investment? I go through it from a lot of ways. Historically, and this is more old school. I used to always talk about what's the ROI of your mother. Everybody wants to measure everything. How do I like? I can tell you that I will literally buy a multi-billion-dollar sports organization one day in my life in 30 years, and the complete ROI is the way my parents parented me. I can't quantify it. I can't show you a chart that on May 16th, when I got this shitty haircut, my mom still said I was the best looking boy on earth. Like, I can't give you that data point, but I know it happened and I know what it did for me, right? So, you know, I can't show you in a chart that, oh, on April 13th, 1986, I opened the door for a woman at McDonald's. This is a true story, not the date. But I opened the door for an elderly woman at McDonald's instead of just running in, and my mom spent the next 17 days acting as if I won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> right, I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't show you that, but I think about ROI in a lot of places. Look, return on investment. First of all, I believe that in the digital world, people are confused. They may say Google's working, but what they don't realize was it was a video on Facebook that made somebody search for you on Google and then click that ad. Was right. that Google? No, it wasn't. Google's the toll booth of society and it gets credit for driving your business way more than it actually does it, right? ROI, I think people do a lot of things for the value of it today instead of 23 years from now. I'm not doing this interview right now for the value of your viewership today. I'm doing it for the fact that it's in an ecosystem that I'm not as involved with and maybe 13 years from now something of somebody learning about me today brings me value and even better, I'm not even worried about cashing in on that chip. Bottom line is we live in a world where 99% of people are running a sprint and the reality is that life's a marathon and that's that. And so when I think about ROI, I think of it in short and long term. I need some things to get by, right? on a day-to-day basis. I need money from clients to pay for my employees. Like, I gotta pay rent, I gotta run a P&L. But the amount of people that draw lines in the sand, spec work. I'm not gonna cut this person's hair for free even though they're famous or important and that. It's the stupidest thing of all time. That word of mouth could be exponential to the growth of your business. But people people draw religious lines in the sand on ideological notions that destroy the upside of their long term. Um, your book, because uh, we're, we're actually, I think, giving, we gave a copy to everyone that's coming to the Idea Thank you. event. Um, and this is your, I think your third? Uh, are we talking about Ask Gary Vee? Yeah. My fourth. Your fourth. My fourth New York Times bestselling book. 
And <laughs> By the way, that was for all my English teachers that gave yeah. me D's and F's right. because they are spinning right now. Like, how the <laughs> fuck did that happen? He, he writes? <laughs> right. <laughs> Barely. Do, can, you, can you just kind of give us the highlights of the book? Because obviously for hairdressers, we would love for them to go and buy the book and, get it and kind of start educating. I mean, it's the state of the union of marketing and entrepreneurship and operations and the, my state of the union. I, did a, I do a YouTube show called Ask Gary V. I take questions from social media and I just answer them and you know, there's chapters on parenting while being somebody who's super ambitious and there's, tact- and there's questions on tactics on Pinterest to drive a transaction. And so it's an all-encompassing state of the union of the things that have made me successful and the things that have made people want to follow me but the most encompassing. The other three books were very, very business driven. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more EQ, leadership, you know, dealing with stress. It was a very more rounded, very more round. And look, I mean, we all know this, right? Is as hot shot as I thought I was at 25, I'm a much stronger, better version of myself at 40. Experience actually matters, it's real. And, and I feel like I'm, I'm becoming more in tune and tapping into some of the subtleties that have made me successful other than the black and white tactics. And when, by the way, when I say successful, I'm gonna recall it, because it's important. I make money, I could make a lot more money if I was willing to be less successful. When I mean successful, I mean the balance of being more proud about how you make your money than how much you make. On the balance of being more worried about your legacy than your currency. On the balance of like thinking about what your grandkids are gonna think of you and most of all, the number one way I run my life, how many people can I guilt into coming to my funeral? That's what you're thinking about. That is the number one way that I live my life. If you ask me what my global North Star is, my entire game is predicated on how many people show Show up up. to my funeral. Because showing up to funerals actually, and it's interesting, I I no longer like the Yankees and the Rangers. I'm going in a little bit of an interesting direction. I'm liking this. Because both of those teams won championships for me. Mm -hmm. So now I obsess over the Knicks and the Jets. Mm -hmm. I love the climb. Mm -hmm. I love the journey. And it was interesting, when I thought about this, as this funeral thing started happening over the last 10 years, I was like, wait a minute, that's the ultimate journey. My whole life is this journey. The payoff is the funeral, and I don't even get to know how it plays out. <laughs> You're not even there. I'm not even there. So, so I think it's fascinating. I've been fascinated by the funerals that I've gone to and the ones that I haven't as I've become more busy and travel. And it's really predicated on heart over brain or wallet or other things, right? And so, yeah, man. That's deep. I think so. Um, Gary, can you talk to the fact that millennials are, you know, it's just a generation and they understand efficiency naturally. Yes. Something that kind of just comes to them. Yes. Um, And how older generations um, can easily adapt and thrive um, by doing so, because you're not a millennial. Yeah, I think this millennial, there's just, there's I think like this, mo- I, even when you brought it up earlier, right. I think this millennial talk Sounds is like whack. A, yeah. Like, let me tell you why. I have 600 or so, 500 of our 800 employees at VaynerMedia are under 28. Hmm. And 25% of them only care about working all day and night and making as much money as possible. And then I know 48-year-olds that want work-life balance. And like, like stereotypes are, have truths, I respect that, but all of this is always a mindset. I'm, I, you know, like, this is a mindset. This isn't how old you are. This is how you are wired. 
And I think that millennials have gotten a bad rap for their work ethic and for their audacity, and there's plenty of them. But there was plenty of those people 20 years ago too. We just didn't categorize them. Uh, I've run businesses for a long time. 20 years ago, long before there was millennials, there was plenty of 25 year olds that came into my business that thought they should be running the company. That's a DNA trait. You know, that is not an age thing. And so, just kind of this label that's been put. On the older generation, let's call it 35 and above, there's a lot of excuses going around. Well, I didn't grow up with this stuff. No shit. You didn't grow up driving either and you learned. Like, like you, we learn things. I think what happens is a lot of people are lazy and get tired and are burnt out and they don't want to put in the work. It blows my mind that everybody watching here isn't willing to watch or read for 20 hours about Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, t- you know, these platforms that are the relevancy of our society. Mm. Like you can literally watch 20 hours of YouTube videos on how do I run Facebook ads, how to make creative, like how, you just type it in and you now know, especially if you actually do it while you not just read it. And so literally, I don't know, in a week, anybody in the world that has capacity to learn, it's more about understanding how you learn. Do you need to listen? Do you need to watch? Do you need to read? Can actually be very strong at all this stuff the punchline is people like excuses. People don't want to put in the work. That's fine. More for me. The concept of fast follower. Yes. Can you talk to that? Yeah, I think fast follower is a good model. Like you see something that's successful, uh, just moving quickly and trying to learn from those behaviors is very, very interesting. Lyft. Lyft's a very big business. They didn't invent Lyft. They saw Uber and they're like, I don't know, we don't think Uber's going to get everything. Google. Google saw Yahoo. You know, you know, Facebook. Do you remember MySpace? Like, fast following is good. <laughs> um, Gary, yes. we've only got a couple minutes. So yes. I, I'm, I'm kind of prioritizing my list of 7,000 questions. Please. Um, what is your definition of wisdom? I'm not sure. Okay, moving on. Do you collect anything? Uh, do I collect anything? I yes. saw something, so I kind of, I, that's why I asked you the question. I, I used to collect a lot of things, but I always bought things just to sell them. As a matter of fact, I'm in a really bad mood because it looks like it's going to rain tomorrow and I can't take my, my kids garage sailing um, and like buy, so, st- like get, buying something for 25 cents at a garage sale and selling it for $4.80 on eBay gives me a bigger high than landing a $5 million okay, account. and I just want to stop on that for one second. I don't think people realize that he's not joking. The thrill he, of the hunt. But you actually, you actually do that. I did it last weekend. He, he buys stuff. There's a lot he of people, I, I get a lot of emails from people who are like, I'm on welfare, I'm homeless. I get emails, I'm homeless. You know, I'm a single mom with four kids. A lot of people, not my Silicon fancy friends are not emailing me. These are a lot of people that are watching my content some way, somehow, who $100 a week is life changing. I, I, you know, I know this may sound very weird, but going to garage sales, spending $3, and making $100 on eBay is stunningly practical. If you have a smartphone, which unbelievably, people that are homeless on welfare do, yeah. you know, everybody has one. It, no matter what your financial situation is, it seems that almost everybody has gotten to a place where they have a smartphone, which is incredible, and is maybe the most optimistic thing I know in life. This can happen. And so last weekend, I just did what I always do, which is I showed people. By the way, it was a great weekend. By the way, one crazy thing, stuffed animals. That's what you mentioned. Yeah, stuffed animals, here's why. They're at every garage sale, 
and consistently they're 50 cents or a dollar and consistently they're 10 to 20 dollars on eBay. If you know what to look for, Disney store exclusives. That's where it's at. That's a good one. Oh. But you know, like, so yeah, I mean, and by the way, by the way, and D-Rock, you know this, like, you have to understand, here's the payoff for me. It's Friday, this happened Saturday. 25 emails already. Like, like. So you're constantly selling toys and stuff online. Not constantly, I'm hot on it right now. I did it, I, I did it, I did it. But, but you know what, you know what I collect? I collect people for sure at some level. Um, I love people. Boy, do I really like people. And like in all our flaws, and all, like I really understand it. Yeah, I have great retention. But even if they don't, like, like I just genuinely like people. I understand people. It's what I understand innately the best. And I have a lot of empathy, a lot. And I really want to talk about real shit, right? I want to talk about not. You know how everybody's like, don't be scared, go do it. No, no, no. it was about who are you scared to. Yes. Then you get people. Like I want to go that one step that I think a lot of people. You know what's funny? The world is very interesting. People that were born with the gift that I was born with, which is understanding people, are unfortunately not born with the same other trait that I have, which is they use that to their leverage, to their financial benefit. The thing that I'm most proud of and why I believe a lot of people will show up to my funeral is when you have what I have, you usually sell it. I'm giving it away for free. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. And that's why most people don't talk about that next step because that's the thing they get paid $35,000 a month for when they coach you or life coach you mm-hmm. or when you go to their island or this, that, and the other thing. Got it? Final question. Yeah. If you get into the social media saying, we can't not use it. Yep. And the young generation does it already. Okay. You still see a lot of frustration when people can't build their followers. And you talk about this quite a bit where it's like... Well, you might not be interesting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to end on a high. Um, we're gonna end on a high. Yeah. We're gonna end on a high. Yeah. It's called self-awareness. Yeah. Let's end on the greatest high. Self-awareness. You might not be interesting, and/or you may not know how to communicate that interesting in today's world yes. yet. Yes. Nobody's entitled to followers. You don't open an Instagram account and then like you win. That's like buying a basketball and thinking you're going to the NBA. I love that. So listen, Gary, um, yeah. I, we are out of time, right? Oh. We're, we're out of time, but we are going to have you back. Yeah. So I think you're going back to your office and then coming back. You're right that is true. Street, right? I mean, Not too far. So um, we'll see you this Soon. afternoon. And uh, thank awesome. you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, guys.